Hey there, it's Chris Rivas, and this is Brown Enough, stories between black and white. Before we jump into the episode today, I want to remind you that if you're looking for a great gift this holiday season, check out my book. It's also called Brown Enough. This book is a celebration of brownness, about embracing one's true self, but it's also a call to all bodies of culture to engage in the conversation of identity. It's about belonging. It's about being seen. It's a book about taking up space and self-worth. I know all of you know at least one person who needs to know they are enough. Because you are. Find it anywhere you get your books. And if you want to hear me read passages of the book, you can also listen and download the audiobook. Trust me, it's worth it. Now, on with the show. An article from the Washington Post says that 45 million Americans are breathing dirty air. And unfortunately, many black and brown communities are being exposed to higher levels of air pollution. This is caused by vehicle emissions, power plants, fossil fuels, and even natural causes like forest fires. This all makes me feel a little bit of dread. I love this earth. My first time seeing a redwood tree in Big Sur, the oldest and most important trees on the planet, made me weep and made me realize how much I didn't know or value about this planet, which is constantly giving us the things we need to survive and in exchange we often abuse and take from it at every turn. In this dread, it is easy to feel overwhelmed and like it's all too much. And then I hear stories about people out there who are trying and who are actively finding solutions to better our environment, like today's badass guest. I'm a proud daughter of two immigrants, and something that my mom has always said is that when she immigrated to this country, she never thought she'd have to fight an oil well for us. This is 21-year-old Nayeli Cobo, the proud daughter of a Mexican mother and a Colombian father. The fight she's referring to here is one she's been battling alongside her mother to shut down an oil well owned by a company named Allen Co. This well is right across the street from where Nayeli grew up in South Los Angeles. You know, our parents came here to give us the life they could only dream of. And yet we're being poisoned in our own homes. Oil wells create toxic chemicals that are harmful to plants and animals alike, including and definitely us humans, And unfortunately, Nayeli and her family have been victims of these effects caused by the Allen Cowell. But they haven't suffered silently. My name is Nayeli Cobo, and I live in Los Angeles, California, United States. First, I would like to thank Goldman for this award. Thank you for giving me support and a family. Thank you for recognizing our work to end urban oil drilling in the city of Los Angeles. It is truly an honor. This year, Nayeli won the Goldman Environmental Prize also known as the Green Nobel Prize. Yeah, no big deal, y'all. This award recognizes grassroots environmental activists. It is a major award. And she's also been on the Time 100 Next list because she's leading a fight we should all join in on, actively engaging and caring for our home. Today... Nayeli is going to tell us how the operation of oil wells impacted her health firsthand, what people thought of her as a nine-year-old activist knocking door-to-door, and the victory she's accomplished so far. You do not want to miss this.
This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. I first met Nayeli at a festival in Aspen. I was reading passages from my book, Brown Enough, and she was giving a talk about her journey. I was immediately struck by her story. Nayeli began her activism at just nine years old, and it all started in her home. So I grew up in South Los Angeles in this beautiful, vibrant community in between Staples Center and USC with the most beautiful, hardworking people. It's a space where we were really all family, you know? If my mom was making eggs for breakfast and didn't have the pepper, I could go up to the vecina and be like, hey, we need pepper, and she'll give us cheese and tomates and salsa too to like have this beautiful breakfast. And I grew up 30 feet across the street from an active oil well. I say that I love all of my neighbors except Alenco. Imagine waking up, looking out your window, and seeing a 20-foot-tall metal arm, literally pumping oil out of the ground. The only thing separating you from it is a gated fence. That's what Nayeli and thousands of other disproportionately black and brown Angelinos see every day. L.A. has how many oil? Like, it's some crazy number of urban oil drilling. What is it? Yeah, so Los Angeles is the largest urban oil field in the nation. There are over 580,000 Angelinos living within a quarter of a mile or less to an active oil well. Wow. A quarter of a mile or less to an active oil well. Yeah. And then 3.2 million Californians living within a quarter of a mile or less to an active or idle oil and gas well. And the idle wells matter. I know that it sounds like, oh, well, they're off. It's silly. It doesn't matter. Idle meaning like they're not actually they're, actively drilling. Yeah, they're not operating. They're just there taking up space. But idle wells can continue to leak methane into the air, which is the worst greenhouse gas, and it's one of the most harmful chemicals to our bodies. So we have this methane going in the air, right? So obviously the oil wells are bad for the environment. How are they bad for you and your community physically? So in drilling for oil, there are tons of toxic chemicals released into the air that are harmful to one's health, and they smell horrible. It smells like rotten eggs. Tangent, but still relevant, I promise. Something that Alenco would do was add even more chemicals to the smell. So then the community would smell like guava, cherries, chocolate. Citrus was a big one that they loved. Wait, that was a choice they would do to off-put the... The smell and confuse the community. So then wow. it would smell like guava and who could complain about your house smelling like guayabas, you know? Wow. All these chemicals are scientifically proven to damage one's health. And in my personal experience, I developed asthma. I had heart palpitations and I had to use a heart monitor for several weeks. My nosebleeds got so intense I couldn't sleep in my own bed. 
I would sleep in a chair to prevent choking on my own blood at night. Headaches, stomach pains, body spasms so intense my mom would have to carry me from place to place. And unfortunately, it wasn't just me. It wasn't just my mom, my siblings, my grandparents. It was most of our community. It was a common conversation starter for parents to stop each other in the streets and say, hey, my daughter is in the hospital because of an asthma attack. How's your son's asthma? That's not normal. You know, we should be greeting each other saying like, hey, my daughter got a full ride to study science at her dream university and it's going to do X, Y, and Z with her career. Everyone in the community was anguished at the ways their health was being impacted by oil wells. Kids in the neighborhood were suddenly missing school and spending days at the emergency rooms. Elders, like Nayeli's grandmother, were suddenly developing asthma. People in the neighborhood began to share their concerns at town hall hearings, but nothing was changing. So, Nayeli's mother, who worked for a social justice nonprofit called Esperanza Community Housing, enlisted the organization to investigate the matter. And nine-year-old Nayeli joined her mother by knocking on doors in the neighborhood, asking people to please join the fight. So what happens at nine that you, that you say I'm an activist, right? Me, I'm just trying to like eat as many ring pops as possible at nine. So what happens at nine that you're like, no, I'm an activist? It was those common conversation starters. It was seeing how I was getting sick and my loved ones were getting sick. And seeing the mobilization in my community of parents, like my mom working two jobs, three jobs to provide for their families, working 16 to 18 hour days, and were still willing to go door to door knocking after. There are parents that did not speak English, but were willing to learn the script to alert people of what was going on in their communities. They were willing to do that. And at nine, I was asking myself these questions as if, my community has all of these barriers put against them, and yet they're fighting. They're working to knock down these barriers, and they're not going to be silenced by them. Why am I going to be silent? You know, I have the, the ability to speak English. Let me use that. I have the ability to, I'm able-bodied enough to go door to door knocking at the age of nine. I can do that. And it was obviously hard when my friends the next day at school would talk about the new episode of... Wizards of Waverly Place or Zach and Cody and I missed it or I missed the iconic crossovers of Zach and Cody and Hannah Montana, I knew that what I was doing would would better my community and, and save lives eventually. And it was an honor to be able to make those decisions and to continue to make those tough decisions. And what did people say? Were kids your age impressed by the work you were doing? So reactions to me and my activism were always it was a 50-50. They were either really inspired and like, oh my gosh, you're a little kid. Like, of course we're going to do this. Or you're a little kid. You should be in school. You don't know what you're talking about. Leave this to the grown-ups. Um, but specifically when I would go with my mom and she would like talk to the parents in Spanish and I would be left to talk to the kids in English, they would always be like, why are you doing this? Like, it it doesn't matter. Like, you're we're kids. Like, we need to be worried about our vocabulary test tomorrow or things like that. And it was always like, no, like why wait? You know, it having a high school diploma or a college diploma will not change the experiences I'm living now. So why wait until I have those to share what I'm living 
right now, what I'm going through every single day as a kid. Naeli was right. She didn't need to be an adult to understand the connection between the well and the poor health effects that she was seeing at home. She couldn't escape the oil well. Her school was just two blocks away and her health, it just kept getting worse. And as I walked to school every day, I would pass a sign that read, dangerous chemicals known to the state of California to cause cancer, birth defects, and reproductive harm. And that's on an oil well wall. It's not on my phone case. It's not on Skittles wrapper. You know, it's on an oil well that's my next door neighbor. And at 19, I was diagnosed with stage two reproductive cancer. And I immediately thought back to that sign because exactly what they were projecting is what I faced. And at the age of 19, I unfortunately had to choose between my reproductive system or my life, but I'm here and I'm still fighting. We like that choice. We're grateful. <laughs> We're grateful for your life. Cancer at 19 was Nayeli's biggest battle yet. And she went through rounds of chemotherapy and radiation, six major surgeries, eight minor procedures, but she's here today, continuing the fight for her family, for community, for you, for me, for all of us. Today, she's almost two years cancer-free, and that's not the only fight she's won. Have there been any tangible results of your activism? Yes. Um... We have been very fortunate to have many powerful victories in our years of a long, hard struggle. In November of 2013, Alanco temporarily shut down. And I remember that day like it was yesterday. It was, we were all at a family dinner because my sister was getting married the next day. And we were having caldo de papa, like a straight up family dinner. And my mom gets a phone call and she starts crying. And me being the nosy kid I am, I start poking her and I'm like, mom, what's up? Que pasó? Like, why are you crying? Like, should we be worried what's going on? And she told us, Alan, go closed. And I started screaming. I asked for permission to scream because you couldn't scream in the household. And I ran to the window and I opened it. Something that we weren't able to do for over four years in our very own home. Something so simple, opening your window to allow fresh air in. I closed it after 30 seconds because it was mid-November in California (laughs) and and under 70 is too cold for me. But it was the the act that now I had that option. And I'm very proud to say that as of March 2020, Alanco is permanently closed. Um, And this year in January, the Los Angeles City Council and the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors voted unanimously to phase out all oil and gas wells in the city with a just transition So by the end of this decade, when I share my story, I get to say Los Angeles was the largest urban oil field in the nation. And late in August, the governor of California, Governor Newsom, signed an ordinance for a 3,200-foot health and safety buffer zone for all new oil wells, which is the start of phasing out all oil wells in California. So instead of 30 feet, it would have to be 3,200 feet from any resident. Yes, residents, parks, hospitals, any sensitive land. Is that the primary focus of your work, or have you expanded past city oil like drilling? My dream is that urban oil drilling is only known about when it's read through history books. You know, my dream is that nationwide, globe, worldwide, there is not a single child that has to lose their childhood to an urban oil well.
Not a single child will lose their childhood to an urban oil well. That's what happened to Nayeli. She lost the chance to just be a kid. And even though it's inspiring that she started her activism at only nine years old, it's also kind of exhausting too, right? That at 21, she has already been working for over a decade for what should be a basic human right? Health, clean air, clean water, a non-toxic environment. What does burnout look like? Or, you know, what are you actually fighting for? When do you walk away or, you know, how much of it, yeah, is talk versus action? What does all that look like? I think mental health plays a huge role for all all people, period. But for activists, it, it's different in the sense that as activists, we always tend to put ourselves last, you know? And if you are on zero battery, you cannot help someone else charge themselves. And I've never understood that thing in the airplane that put on your own oxygen before helping others. I was like, you're crazy. I'm gonna make sure my brother, my mom, my nephew, everybody in the family has it before mine. But if I'm not breathing, how can I move to get to you? You know, and something I started um, when I was in high school was I don't answer any emails on Friday. You will get a response from me on Saturday. And it's the one day where I truly allow myself to just be a normal 21-year-old, a normal 19-year-old, a normal 17-year-old, because I've lost so much of that growing up. You know, growing up, I wasn't allowed to play outside to play with my Barbies or when I would play with my Barbies, it was me giving them inhaler pumps or me putting on the heart monitors because that's the way my mom cared for me. So then when I got to high school, it was making the decisions, am I going to go to this conference or am I going to go to prom? So something that now I do is to prevent burnout, to prevent like uh, losing the fire in my belly and that passion is I, one day a week, I'm just Nayeli. You know, I'm just a tia, I'm just a sister. And it, it really does allow me to feel more connected with myself and remind me of who I am and that I need to take care of myself. And it's funny to say, but cancer also taught me a lot about that, that you have to advocate for yourself the way you do for others. And it's not selfish. It's not bad to do so. It's, it's something to take pride in. You're bringing back the Sabbath. It's like a, a day of rest, you know, a day of a day of a day of you don't always have to be on. Yeah, which is something I've been unable to do and and have thought about for for years now, you know. And it's funny, like I actually, I I read this book once, and he suggested Fridays as that day. Oh, period. You know, like <laughs> I even went and bought a light phone. You know, a life like a dumb phone. I bought, or, yeah. you know, just a phone. Like it just is. It's just text and phone calls. There's no fancy screen. You know, no pics. No. Um, a little went, flip phone. I have a little <laughs> flip, and I went and bought it, and I, you know, I didn't. I never used it. I never did it, and like I wanted to do that. You know, every Friday or or just unplug. And so this is another reminder of the importance of Sabbath, the importance yeah. of rest. All right. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Nayeli's going to tell us about how her fight is part of a larger movement against something called environmental racism. I hadn't heard the term either. Stick around, y'all.
sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. And we're back with Nayeli Kobo. 21-year-old activist who's been working for years to shut down urban oil wells in this country. Young people like Nayeli have been leading the fight against climate change in the last few years. Students organized a walkout here in New York City. Swedish activist Greta Thunberg addressed world leaders at the United Nations. But something I've noticed about the media coverage of this youth movement is that it centers primarily white people. Are there just not a lot of black and brown people in this fight? Or is it mainly, yeah, what's the numbers? I'm sure you you know these people better than I do. <laughs> um, there are a lot of us people of color leading the fight and fighting the good fight and raising our fists in the air, demanding our basic human rights. But unfortunately, I don't, I don't know why we're not always on the media. And that, that ties into like other questions that we get and, Personally, it does start to challenge your mental health because you feel like, am I not good enough? Am I not working this enough? Am I not doing what I feel should be needed? And and I actually have these talks a lot with my mom. And again, it's not because we're fighting for fame or to get our, our name out there. It's we're fighting for change. We're fighting to save lives, to share our stories, to share our families and our community's stories. But you do get sort of taken aback when you do, don't see yourself being represented. You don't see your story in these in these news um, articles. But again, that only lights the fire in your belly more to continue to fight and continue to push back and make sure your voice and your stories are in being properly represented in the news articles and in different media. Racism doesn't just show up in how these stories get covered. It's the root of why black and brown communities are on the front lines of climate injustice. Here's an example. Have you all heard of redlining? It's a word that emerged in the 1930s when government maps highlighted areas where black residents lived and considered them to be less worthy. Redlining forced folks of color into certain neighborhoods, which were overlooked by public agencies for decades. And now... When companies like Allen Co. want to build urban oil wells, guess which neighborhoods have less protection? Hint, it's not Beverly Hills. If I wanted to open an oil well in South Los Angeles, Wilmington, East LA, I would be green stamped. Do, 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 do. No, no questions asked. 
But then if I presented my case to open an oil well in a more affluent, predominantly white community, you said it yourself, um, I would then be faced with limitations. I could only operate from business hours nine to five when people typically aren't home. They have to be silent drills. They have to have a certain number. They have to have all these filters and all these protections were put in place, but not for us. And it honestly felt like someone could just look me in the eye and said, say, you don't deserve to breathe clean air. So that's why we sued the city of Los Angeles and we won via settlement, but we won. Um, And now there is a new application itself and a memorandum when looking to reopen or expand wells in the city of L.A. Fights like this lawsuit Nayeli is talking about are a fight against something called environmental racism, a term I just recently learned. Should environmental racism be at the forefront of the current climate movement? I think absolutely, because environmental racism is everywhere. You know, just within this conversation, it was we talked about environmental racism, and it wasn't just about the oil drilling. It's also the food deserts, because that's the environment we grow up in. We don't have trees. We don't have green spaces. And that reminds me of in our community, we would literally have picnics on the oil well wall, on the mm. oil well's floor, like the green space, and have carne asadas there on an actual oil well, because that was the only green space in our community. What are other examples of environmental racism? So other examples are freeways. A lot of our communities are in close proximity to freeways. And in other communities, you have to drive a solid five to 10 minutes to get near a freeway. Well, I also know that, you know, highways were created to, you know, the highway system was, was invented in Atlanta as a way to bypass going through black communities so that whites could get from white communities to white communities without having to see anyone. And that often disrupted, you know, they would build them in the middle of these communities that they didn't want to see. So I do know that about highways. I also know stop signs. Um, There are far more stop signs in affluent white neighborhoods than there are in neighborhoods centered around bodies of culture, you know. Uh, subtle or not so subtle, a way of like drive through here quicker than stopping and taking in the scenery and the trees. You got something to say. Say it. Come here. <laughs> As I was talking, I noticed Nayeli's mom shaking her head. She had been sitting quietly next to Nayeli in the studio, but I could tell she was itching to say something. And as well, food desert. This is Monique Uriate, Nayeli's badass mama. In our community, unfortunately, we are the biggest lack of fresh food and access and affordable fresh food for our community is another way of racism and injustice. We have a lot of recycle business in our own community, in our backyard. is different ways to poison and kill little by little our community. Lack of quality education is another one. And we can go on and on in that list. And I think it's time to request and take an action to demand to be treated as a humans because it's no difference between one 
human being depends the color or the socioeconomic status. On the end, every single one deserves to have a quality and access for a better life. Nayeli and Monique are still fighting together to make positive change in their community and across the country. And one big target of theirs is something that can happen at oil wells after all the liquid oil is drilled out. Fracking. Uh, I hear this word fracking a lot. What is fracking, either of you? Fracking is an extreme method to, to bring oil or gas to the surface. And they use tons and tons of fresh, clean water because they cannot use recycled water, plus thousands and thousands of chemicals to, to break the rocks and bring oil and natural gas to the surface. And oftentimes people only think that, people think that the only horrible form of extraction is fracking. And then oil industries would be like, don't worry, we're not fracking. And then we're like, oh, we can breathe, okay. But then they'll say, oh, we're acidizing. And you're like, oh, that sounds kind of better, but still really scary. And you read up on what acidizing is and it's essentially the same thing as fracking, but instead they use acid. Instead of water. Yeah. And it will dig down for miles on end, like a straight line, and then crawl out like spiders to get every single possible drop of oil. And you know that's getting into the soil, which is getting into your food, and then it's a ripple-down effect. Yeah. Uh, what a, so by your neighborhood, they were fracking. Acidizing. They were acidizing. Yeah. Are those are the two ways, acidizing and fracking? Acidizing, gravel packing, slant drilling, water flooding, steam injection. They have a whole variety. And it's they're all just as horrible, just as invasive, and just as toxic. So hopefully your average person recycles. Hopefully your average person turns off the water when they brush their teeth. Hopefully your average person, you know tries to drive less if they can, but they can't always because they gotta get to work to get the paycheck to 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 keep you know to keep in the in the race, in the rat race. Um is this fight for climate sustainability working? Um and what recommendations do you have for people who are like, what's the point? Something I always ask people is the climate crisis is here. You know, it's not a question of it coming or in 2030, it's happening now. You know, unfortunately, one in five deaths worldwide, one in five deaths worldwide are due to climate change, to the climate crisis. And that's not changing. It's not stopping. It's on us to start changing our actions and what we're doing and how we're we're acting. And yeah, you get me. And My question, like, this is affecting everyone in one way or another in shape or form. The question is when you're going to be affected. Do you want to be proactive about it and make sure you will not be, your future generations will not be affected? Or are you going to wait until it's your life on the line? You know, it's it's real. The science has been here for decades and it's only getting more concise and stronger and people still choose not to listen so it's a question of why don't you want to listen at that point because not only is the science there that people always say they want to have like the science the science science proof it's there 
our stories and our bodies on the front lines are there. We've been sacrificed enough. We are not dots on this map. You know, we are people. I want to meet someone that has like really cool computer data skills to like have in someone's face. You zoom in and you see on their cheek, it's Josh from Wilmington. And on the nose, it's Luke from North Carolina. And on the eyebrow, it's me from South LA. And on, you know, it's people that have real lives that are losing their lives because of their zip code. And clean air is a basic human right that should not be denied to anyone because of their age, gender, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, or zip code. So why are you okay with people being poisoned in their own homes? Why are you going to wait until somebody else that you love is in that position? Let's be proactive and let's end this now to not worsen the situation. Nayeli says that she wants to run for president in 2036, and I cannot wait to see that happen for her. In the meantime, she's still working towards shutting down more oil wells and educating people about the risk of having these facilities in their backyards. Next time on Brown Enough, we're going to talk with the talented color artist Lisa Solomon. She's going to give us the intimate ins and outs on the color brown. Color is a mood, it's a feeling, it's a symbol, it's so many things. Lady, y'all, peace. Brown Enough is a production of Stitcher. It's created and hosted by me, Christopher Rivas, and I'm also an executive producer. Our team includes producer Manolo Morales, senior producer Abigail Keel, technical director Casey Holford, production assistant Gabrielle Gladney, and executive producer Camille Stanley. Original music by Casey Holford. Workhouse Media is a contributing producer to this podcast. Carlos E. Hernandez of Ikigai Management is also an executive producer of Brown Enough. And don't forget to subscribe, y'all, or follow Brown Enough so you never miss an episode. And if you got a minute, leave us a review. A nice one. It goes a long way. Thanks. Witness Docs from Stitcher.